greetings earthlings so this is supposed to be my second attempt at a podcast yeah welcome to Vazikai guys guide to mental health and wellness okay so initially i was supposed to drop this on the 2nd of november because that was marking my six months of alcohol which was supposed to be like like a super big thing but unfortunately yeah i don't know if you can hear it from my voice i got down with the flu so i couldn't actually get to it but here we are and today in particular we're going to talk about anxiety and what anxiety is what does it mean how does it make you feel and do you have anxiety is it a normal thing is it something that yeah so we're basically going to be looking at that and basically just going to have a chat for like 30 minutes because i try to keep this at 30 minutes so hope you enjoy although one thing that i want to achieve with this particular podcast is to try and keep things a little informal and you know give it a naturalistic feel you know that kind of having conversation with someone as opposed to you know talking about mental health this and mental health that no man it's for me i believe mental health is should be taken as something like, you know, how you regard your physical health. I mean, it is your physical health, but you know how you regard certain things like, let's say when you're down with the flu or you've got malaria, you've got, I don't know, whatever physical ailment. You know, you really panic and try to do the best that you can to sort it out as fast as you can. Yeah, you go to the doctor, you go get some medication, you go... You, you stay off work, you can make it, like, sick sick days. But, like, why is it so different for, like, mental health, man? Like, it really is something that I think about a lot. So, for me, I try to take it as, okay, my mental well-being is just as important. If I feel slightly, slightly off or, I don't know, I'm not feeling so pleasant, I'll try my best to get my mind out of that state as best as I can. Obviously, I won't put everything to the side and be like, no, let me focus on this. No. With time, you learn to incorporate everything with your with your lifestyle. Like, you know, you can still be functional, but still dealing with stuff. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand, man. A lot of people think like, okay, no, when you're dealing with mental health, let me first start with the misconception of whenever people hear mental health, they think about depression or, or I don't know, maybe some bipolar disorder or just something, you know, extreme. No, it isn't necessarily extreme. Let me give an example of the word health. Like what's health? Like if something is in optimum health, you regard it to, you know, be functioning correctly if you're let's say for instance your battery health on your mobile device yeah so i feel like it should be regarded as something that's quintessential to our well-being
with that being said, you know the common misconception of mental health. Um, I was having a very interesting monologue because I like to think I talk to myself a lot on Twitter. Yeah, I was having a very interesting monologue with myself, like on the TL. I was talking about how, you know, how in general women deal with, you know, emotionally turbulent times better than men because that's kind of how or that was or is acceptable in society you know like it's socially acceptable for a woman to you know be unhappy or sad or going through it but like for a guy it's a whole different thing and I'm pretty sure like a lot of the gents listening to this can relate like it's it's not something that is a norm in our culture, especially like our African society. I don't know if it's just like from what I've seen and like from what I've experienced myself. There's just more that is expected of a guy, you know, in terms of certain situations, like the women have to like it's it's allowed for them to actually you know go through it and like be in the trenches emotionally but for a guy you just have to firm it and you know you have to be strong and regardless of whether you agree or not but like this is something that i've seen in a lot of like settings and it's something that's very that's very dangerous in my opinion it's very dangerous i got some opinions of some some people over the certain topic and yeah, very interesting opinions and yeah they were also based on the premise of a guy being you know a guy and you just have to firm it but you see the thing is everything that happens to you everything that you experience every emotion that you experience every trauma that you experience it's mental so it's in there and it's not going anywhere do you understand? Like, it's it's in there. It's not going anywhere. You can firm it. You can work your ass off. You can push it down. You can try to forget it. But it's there. And only you are capable of actually setting yourself free from it. And I know that sounds super dramatic, you know, setting yourself free. What the fuck is this guy on about? But when I say setting yourself free, I mean that in, like, the most literal sense. Because those things that you bury down become your your shackles you know like it's you may not even consciously acknowledge it or choose it or prefer it but it's there and it's going to determine a lot of your behavior and might i ask like if something you know is influencing a lot of your behavior and your choices Aren't you, you know, particularly enslaved by that thing? That's why I say set yourself free. Aren't you enslaved by that thing? Like if your behavior and your choices are being altered by its existence or its effect, then you're pretty much <laughs> chained to that thing. So I'd really like it if we can kind of like liberate ourselves.
Okay, before I stray further and further away into what I was talking about. Yeah, back to the topic at hand. We're talking about anxiety. You know, when we think about our mental states and our mental health, we usually, you know, label these or these big terminologies and yeah, because what even is an anxiety, you know? You hear people talking about, ah, you know, I had an anxiety attack and I had this and that. Okay, so I'll try and explain it based off of my experiences and my research and something that I am familiar with. And I'd like to think a lot of human beings are, if not all. A lot of people think anxiety is just something that just like comes through like you know like all of a sudden you're you have anxiety no this person it's not an illness no anxiety is a state of being like you know how you feel joy you feel sadness yeah you also feel anxious so we know about the terminology anxious you know it's something that we've pretty much grown with to be anxious is you know to be unsettled because you're anticipating something or something of an uncertain nature so if we look at it from Sungu, eh, the the masters the gatekeepers of ifsungu uh this dictionary states anxiety is a feeling of worry nervousness or unease about something with an uncertain outcome okay the English speakers have spoken. So, going back to that, I'm going to emphasize on the uncertain outcome part. That's what causes the unease based off of the definition, right? Yeah. So, one major flag in the very definition of anxiety itself is uncertainty. Uncertainty is kind of a bitch, right? Like, you know, like just being uncertain, like not knowing what is going to happen or how this is going to turn out. I remember having my first running with the term anxiety. The definition that I got was very, was very simplistic at best. <laughs> I'd like to call it that. It was very simple. Because I remember I was watching a cartoon, I think. And then this chick says, you're giving me anxiety. And I was like, hmm, what's happening here? <laughs> what is anxiety? Yeah, then I think I was watching with my cousin. And I asked him, yo, what's, what's anxiety? And he was a very, very peculiar character himself. Very peculiar character. Very interesting character. Not was, he's still alive, but like, like at the time, I used to get a lot of answers from him. So, he tells me, my child, uh, you can put anxiety on one end of the spectrum. Obviously, he didn't, yeah, you know, make it so formal. But he said, one side, anxiety. <laughs> and that's, 
And then there's another thing that he mentioned that actually also brought my attention to something. And this, I was pretty young. I wonder why this guy was talking to me about these things when I just wanted to know what anxiety was so that I could go back to my cartoon. <laughs> but anyway, kudos to him because I learned so much more afterwards. Yeah, so he says, on one end, wabikachi anxiety. And then on the other end, wabikachi depression. Mm, I was like, big man, okay. Me here, trying to watch a cartoon, just asking you for an answer to a certain reference, but you started entering philosophy. But anyway, as a youngster, you can't really tune it, but I entertained him. So he goes on and says, anxiety is living in the future and depression is living in the past. For this particular one, I'm going to try and focus on what he meant or what I think he meant now that I've grown. You know how it is, uh, earlier I talked about the definition of anxiety at its core and how it causes unease because of something that you're uncertain about, something that you're unsure about. Yeah, that's what causes the discomfort. So in the moment, in the actual moment, that you're feeling anxious, you're uncertain about something in the present. And the only time that you shall be certain of it is in the future. Do you get me? Yeah, so that's kind of how I see it. Like, you are worrying about something that, you know, after you've done what you have to do, because most of the times we get anxiety when we really shouldn't. And... Yeah, I was reading somewhere, I'm going to go further into how we are typically hardwired to overspaz. Sorry for using your body language, but how we're typically hardwired to just assume the worst or just, you know, be anxious about outcomes and certain phenomena. Like, you know, just be on high alert in case things aren't, you know, okay. Like, at least you'll be ready. It's preparation. And this particular occurrence in human anatomy or human psychology is... I like to say human anatomy because I feel like psychology is a part of our anatomy. And even though we like to ignore it, <laughs> time, time. Yeah. Um, a core in our human psychology is something that's called the negativity bias. How... I'm pretty sure it's okay. It's not self-explanatory by the name, but you can get kind of an idea. So basically what Ichinamechichi negativity bias is, is having a predisposition towards a negative outcome. How can, okay. I don't know if that makes sense, but like it's basically assuming the worst always. Imagine like you are, Think about it like this, like you are born in a way that whatever situation that arises, you assume the worst because essentially that is the most optimum for survival. Yeah. An example that was given in that literature was, let's say you're a caveman, Shingoko, years ago, I'm not really sure about that. 
you're a caveman and you see something furry like brown furry in the trees you know it could just be some sort of tree that looks peculiar or it could be like a saber-toothed tiger and essentially it could end your life so your brain is more predisposed to assume it's a saber-toothed tiger than just a carpet. I don't know what a caveman would be doing with a carpet, but your brain is hardwired to think, okay, shit, this could be a saber-toothed tiger. So I have to dip or I have to be on high alert. I can't just be walking out here like, I'm, like I own the place. Yeah. So that's the negativity bias, predisposed to assume the worst. So in assuming the worst, as someone that has dealt with anxiety and i believe all of us have even though it's more severe than others yeah um when you're anxious about something let me give an example of when you're when you have anxiety over your exam let's say if you have an exam coming up you've been studying you've been putting in the work you've been doing your assignments you've been going for your lectures you know you've been you've been an ideal student but you have that anxiety of okay what if you know what if i'm not prepped enough what if i i haven't done enough what if these questions come you know you're assuming the worst and there's very few times when people have anxiety because they're assuming the best they're like, ah okay here I'm spazzing because I'm going to get an A++. No, it usually comes with assuming the worst. So it's pretty shitty that, you know, a kind of hardwired to assume the worst because essentially it enables us to avoid sticky situations. It's pretty shitty. We're hardwired, but it doesn't mean that we lack the control. And that's kind of what I'll just try to scratch upon before like i exit this podcast because remember i try to keep it short and sweet so negativity bias it even sounds like a bitch hey do you have some negativity bias (laughs) yeah just it sucks man that we're naturally predisposed to assume the worst but don't one thing that i'll keep emphasizing also going forward and that would be like 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 the overtone of my of my of my podcast is how to not let your physiology control you you know like your body should work for you and not you for your body you know like when your body says this you do that and when i say physiology that encompasses a lot of things there's a lot that goes on in your physiology that has been proven scientifically by the way like how emotions are triggered by neurotransmitters in the brain and around parts of the body and how they make you feel a certain way activation of sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems that just make you act a certain way fight or flight all those things man that's part of your physiology so essentially we are going to be focusing on 
making it work for us and not us for it yeah anyway before i digress further mm, we're talking about how we can control our anxiety it's a good one i love this because it's something that's very personal um from what i've found and from various teachings that i've encountered you know the funny thing that i realized you know in my journey of just i wouldn't like to say self-discovery because that sounds too too yogi or too too cliche no in just my journey of being alive because i'd like to say being alive because a lot of us are living but we aren't really alive we don't really feel we don't really do what we want or enjoy the little moments and are basically just drifting on by and moving from one pressure to the next and trying to squeeze in a modicum of a certain distorted perspective of happiness but <laughs> anyway enough being dark mm, how to control your anxiety for me, I found, before I digress, I was talking about how a lot of times the answers are in our face and have been in our face. And that's why I like to make reference to a lot of these old religions. Like, these religions have got certain fundamentals that have existed for centuries. And the people that were establishing them. Although, albeit, as the centuries went by, you know, human beings for their own personal greed, for their own personal agendas, for their own personal shiny, you know, you tweak certain things that have been around for a lot of times. So it's, it's understandable. You find a lot of things have been distorted. But I try to focus on the overlaying messages from these different religions. And one thing that I have found in my preferred two religions is the practice of gratitude, being thankful. You know, when you hear gratitude, you think, ah, thank you for what? No, it's, for me, I feel like it's deeper than that. It's, and it's a way that I deal with my anxiety. Because when I'm worried about something that I'm uncertain of, or I'm tripping out over something that I can't really control. I try to ground myself. And for me, I've started viewing gratitude as a form of grounding yourself. Because in order for you to be grateful for something, you have to acknowledge it, right? Let's say, for instance, I have shoes. Like I have, I like, I like to wear different kinds of shoes, by the way. I have shoes. But in order for me to be grateful for the shoes, I have to sit down and actually acknowledge and be like, okay, I have these shoes and these, like, maybe focus on one particular pair of shoes. I'll be like, okay, this shoe is here. This is a lovely pair of shoes. I am grateful for this pair of shoes. For you to get to being grateful, you have to acknowledge the thing is there. You have to identify it and name it by you saying, these are my shoes or 
I've seen the issues you're naming, you're giving it a name. You are being, you're bringing yourself back to what you have and not what you don't have. Anxiety is, it's pretty complicated because it's thinking about things that are pretty much not in the current space that you're in. You're thinking about things that could happen, not things that are happening, things that you're unsatisfied with, but not things that you're satisfied with. You get me? Like you're focusing on the negative, the negative aspect of your life. That's bound to cause you anxiety. Trust me. No matter how much money you can acquire, no matter what you can do or your versions of success, how far you can succeed, if you don't learn to be grateful for what you have, don't get me wrong. A lot of people confuse being grateful and being satisfied with being complacent. No. There is nothing wrong with being grateful for what you have, for what you're doing, for who you are, for the people around you, for everything that is part of your life. And also not wanting better for yourself. There's nothing wrong with wanting better for yourself, regardless of being grateful. You can be grateful for having this pair of shoes, but that shouldn't mean okay, this is it. No. You can be like, okay, I have this and I'm grateful for this, but I also want this. That doesn't mean when I acquire this, I'll be less grateful. It's an attitude that you kind of have to cultivate over time, even in turbulent times. In turbulent times. Because I've been reading a lot about Buddhism. They really emphasize on focusing on things that you can control. And not things that you can't control. And that's something that I'm going to keep bringing up. Because essentially, in your road to happiness, I'm pretty sure by listening to this, you anyway, people have got different agendas, but like you as a genuine person would like to maybe <laughs> to get some sort of message or something that just might help you out in your essential journey and i believe ultimately ultimately the main point of this is so that someone can feel a little better may not be now may not be tomorrow but if it can help someone in their eventual destination to happiness and yeah, I think my next podcast will actually be talking about happiness and basically what it means to different people and what it can mean to you. So yeah, so back to what I was talking about, my focus on Buddhism. The chaps always emphasize about how being able to control what you can control and not focus on what you can't control which is what most of us seem to do in our everyday lives we pay less attention to what we can control and there's this old i don't even know if he's german he's got some interesting name 
C-I-H-A. Okay, it's a very interesting book that I'm reading. It's called Flow. So what this body is talking about is basically talking about how human beings have got a certain state of mind that they enter that's called flow and this flow is usually activated when like human beings are doing something that they love something that they are passionate about like let me give an example like a famous like tennis player like let me give an example roger federer you would say when he's playing tennis and when he's focused on his you know medals and trophies and just getting better as a player you know that sportsmanship he's at it's at his happiest so to say like he's when nothing else matters to him you know how when we enter a set of field, like we've all got different things that we're passionate about different things that motivate us to enter that flow state but once we do i'm pretty sure you can pick one or two activities or hobbies or even your work your schoolwork when you enter that flow nothing else in the world matters and it's just you doing that work and this bali hypothesizes that that's when human beings are at their peak and that's why you find when people are doing something that they love they excel at it like astronomically like when they're working and they actually love their work you find that usually they enter the flow state and they're super efficient and just the ideal human being so to say in that state so going back to avena buddha they emphasize on focusing on things that you can control and not necessarily things that you can't control so i equate that to that Austria, Germany. I've forgotten that body where he's from, but yeah, I can send the book to whoever is interested. I can equate that to his theories of how when you are in the flow state, you are absolutely present and you are operating effectively because you're only focused on things that you can control at that moment, things that you can, you know, make happen. If it's your talent, if it's your hobby, if it's your work, it's your whatever you're doing, whatever you're good at. And there's a bunch of other stuff that goes with it. So I I'd really, I'd highly recommend you go read the book. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so being present. What does being present mean? We hear it all the time. You know, I was in the present, I was in the future, I was in the past. Oh, uh, is his presence felt here? Is he present? Are you present? Are you with us in the room? What does being present mean? Being present is being there. When, when we're in class, when we're young, how would we answer? Sean, where is he? Present. I am present. I am there. So what does being present mean mentally? It's having your mind in the moment and a lot of us might think we have our mind in the moment most times but we don't we could be working but thinking about something you know okay how huh, where am i going to get money for this or you could be i don't know you could just be hanging out but your mind is like ninety nine thousand kilometers away 
you're not present. You're absent mentally. You are physically there, but you're not present. What is being present? Being present is simply put being there. That's how I can describe it. And being present is a very important way of battling anxiety if it's something that you faced. I have found that that it's it's fucking spectacular. If I'm being honest, I'm just done saying it's spectacular. You know, you hear about all these spiritual gurus talking about meditation. I won't lie, I was like the biggest like skeptic. I was like, yeah, so you're in Jebatika or Pemashka Kofi times five Nishi Fintiala Kontaroka. No, that's a joke. I used to laugh. But then as I started to experiment and I started to learn more for my for myself, I started to realize that Yo, this shit is actually legit. Because what those don't emphasize, I'm a guru guru. No meditation. What is meditation? Meditation is like a heightened state of I don't know if it's consciousness or presence. Yeah, a heightened state of consciousness where you block everything out, literally tell you block everything out and just focus on your breathing. That's the emphasis of meditation. Focus on your breathing. Don't entertain different thoughts of this and that, this and that. Like just be there. Focus on your breathing. In, out, in, out. And as ridiculous as that may sound, when you actually start to practice it, and I promise you get better with time, you start to be more mindful of your thoughts when you're present instead of having your mind 99,000 kilometers away you'd be more mindful and if you're more mindful you deal with your thoughts and emotions as they come and not putting them away while you focus on something else you deal with it as it comes you process you move along you focus on something else because you're being present you're being there so when your inbox of thoughts or emotions is it will never get full because every time you get one, you deal with it, you move on, you get another one. Instead of having a situation where because you are focusing on this particular thing that, you know, is probably even beyond your control. If we're keeping it back, you focus on what's coming to you and, okay, what can you do about this? How does this make you feel? How do I go about this? Okay. Solution, no solution. Can it be solved by me? How can I solve it? If I can't be solved by me, how can I go? Like, how can I work with it? How can I work around it? Yeah, so you really have less bouts of anxiousness and anxiety if you just learn to center yourself. And a way of centering yourself, that sounds so painfully stupid. (laughs) Not stupid, but like it sounds so painfully easy, is just simply sitting in your room or wherever you're at you could have an anxiety attack it could be mild it could be severe it could be just you being anxious of something just thinking about just try to sit down look around identify at least just five to ten things if you see shoes in front of you if you see a suitcase, if you see a bag, if you see an animal, if you see a tree, just like name them so that you can acknowledge 
where you are and what's surrounding you. Hence, bringing you back to that present moment where you are. Focusing on what's there and not what's going to be there or what could be there. No, just literally bringing yourself back. Sounds ridiculous, but it works. If you've made it this far, congratulations. I have something very important for you. I'm just kidding. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And this is basically introductory level anxiety because we're going to be talking about it a lot because it manifests in so many different ways in our life. So we're going to be talking more about that time time. But if you recall, I have a goal of keeping this like between 30 to 40 minutes, not more than like nothing that can take up a significant amount of your time. Because I understand we have short attention spans nowadays. But yeah, I try to fit in as much as I could yeah and we'll be unpacking more and I'll try to be more frequent and if you've got any questions you know feel free to ask whatever social media platform you might see this on or if it's sent to you if it's a link I'm pretty sure the person will have like a way to get in contact with me yeah feel free to ask if you need to talk there is always someone out here to talk to yeah So, peace.